What's up, everyone? My name is Adam. Welcome. This is the School District Podcast. And this week, April 3rd to the 7th, is Assistant Principal Week across the country and on the podcast with episodes from assistant principals from around the country. We have Illinois, Texas, Missouri, New Jersey, Georgia, Kansas, Virginia. Virginia and an international school in Germany. I'm probably missing a couple states, but listen to all the episodes and you'll be able to uh, to tune in. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and share your favorite conversations with anyone you think would enjoy. And real quick, if you're looking for a book to read, I've written four Kids Deserve It, Run Like a Pirate, Empower Our Girls, and Teachers Deserve It. As you can imagine, they are all available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And if you'd rather listen to the words than read them, Kids Deserve It. My first book is actually on Audible as an audiobook. And lastly, if you're looking for a keynote speaker for some professional development or a kickoff with all staff, I would love to work with you. I've given over 300 keynotes all across North America with breakout sessions, coaching, ed tech, leadership strands, you name it, and I would love to work with you. You can email me directly, adamwelcome at gmail.com or my website, mradamwelcome.com for more information about speaking and also my other podcasts and blog. Thank you for listening. Dr. Susan Harris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. I am so excited about today's podcast. I'm excited. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, I'm excited to have you. Just a little background, everybody that is listening. I was down in uh, Georgia at the end of July, Butts County School System, working with the school district, kicking off the school year. And there was like a marching band. They got cheerleaders. There's just like so much energy and mojo. And I'm looking around, there's all these things going on. I see this person wearing a tiger costume, just like dancing and like got streamers and throwing things <laughs> in the crowd. And I was like, oh, she looks cool. And then I'm like, oh, I'll bet you she is the principal. So then I think I called you up on stage, didn't I? Did I call you up on stage? Yes. I called yes, you up you on stage to kind of talk through some point that I was trying to make. And then uh, in my head, I'm like, I want to have uh, I want to have Susan on the podcast. So uh, here we are. Principal of the year, middle school principal of the year for the entire state of Georgia. Everybody that's listening, you know that Georgia is a really big state. So that is a really big deal. First off, Susan, congratulations on that award. That is such an amazing honor. Um, with that so being much. said. Yeah. Oh my gosh. With that being said, introduce yourself, give us some background and uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. All right. So I'm Jamaican. That's the first thing I want to say is that I'm a Jamaican. I came here to America to go to college and I found my way through education. And um, the one thing about my story that I always like to highlight is the fact that I did not start off teaching. For some reason, I got scared. <laughs> And I describe myself as Jonah in the whale's belly. Like, you know where you're supposed to go, but you don't go there. And eventually I'm like, corporate America is not for me. I'm supposed to be working with kids. That's what my certificate was for. And that's what I need to go do. So I taught for, um, I taught until, I taught, started teaching in um, August, October, 2006 and was able to leave the classroom in 2012. So I taught for what, six years? And um, I think it's six years, <laughs> but I taught and I enjoyed teaching. I did urban and rural experience in the middle school level and um, became an instructional coach, a district coach, 
and assistant principal principal. I've been a principal now for seven years. I've not regretted it. I started off at elementary level. And I think that has laid the foundation for who I am as a principal because now I understand where um, student, how students learn how to read, how they learn math concepts, just how they learn in general. And um, because of my experience at the elementary level, I now know how to really help students when they get to the middle school level. So, you know, every pre, every experience that I've had so far is to help me to be better for the students that I have right now. So um, that's pretty much my journey. And, you know, this year got honored to be selected as a principal of the year uh, for Georgia Association of Secondary School Principals. I'm excited about that. Um, I currently sit on the National Association of Secondary School Principals board as well. Um, that's an honor that I'm able to sit on a national organization's board and help to affect change. And do, I do a lot of um, advocacy work. Um, I do believe in not just sitting down and complaining about what's not happening for us in education, but being a part of the change. So this year I was able to go to Washington, D.C., talk to some um, state leaders, some senators, and really talk about what's going on in education. I do have a passion for that. And that's kind of where I've been taking my journey since becoming principal is really advocating for educators. Yeah, I love that. I love all that experience and that background. And I have a lot of friends, I think, that were with you in D.C. Beth oh. Huff, I think, was there. Megan yes. Redmond. <laughs> Megan Redmond from uh, from very rural Alaska, and I'm sure uh, there's a whole yes. bunch, there's a whole bunch more. Yeah. So talk about talk about your experience. I love that you're kind of sequential. You know, teacher, instructional coach, district coach, assistant principal, and then principal. And I feel like a lot. I feel like I'm meeting more people than I used to that are going from the classroom right to principal. Which mm -hmm. I know in some circumstances that maybe is the only option. Maybe they're in very rural area and there is no instructional coaches. There is no assistant principals. So maybe just like advice on for people to take that time to get that experience in all those different positions, because I know it helps you enormously when you go to run your own school. Maybe just talk about that and any advice you would give people that are thinking about making that move to uh, try to get a principal position. So if you are lucky enough to move from teacher to administration, um, I would say that make sure you're reading. Read, read what the leadership books are saying about human resources and really building a team, um, culture and climate books, um, educational leadership books, because being in a classroom is definitely different from leading grown people. Um, because of my experience with within the building as a teacher, you know, I was already working with teachers in professional learning settings. Luckily for me, my principal allowed me to do those things. Um, but when I left the classroom, I realized that it's a whole different world when you're working with adults. Um, you know, there, there's a different energy to it in terms of, yes, you can tell an adult to do something and it might not get done immediately, <laughs> but there's a way to build relationships with them to get those things done. Um, relationship is very important. I remember from my own professional learning, I did um, how to influence people. Um, how to win friends and influence people. That's a book that I did that was very helpful with developing my own skills on working with adults. So please take the time to grow yourself. That way you can be successful outside of classroom. 
Yeah, you got to have those. I call them professional friends. You got to have those people yeah. that are kind of doing it, doing it somewhere else so you can learn, not necessarily from their mistakes, but you just have that person that you can learn from that's already maybe, right. you know, maybe they're already a mile ahead of you or a, a year or two ahead of maybe where you want to be. Um, right. I, I think that's great advice. So, so we met, you've been in school about four or five weeks. So we met a month ago. I think... Where are you now with your thinking? What are you thinking about now? What's different? How do you adjust where you have a plan? Yes, we're ready to go. The kids are here. We're super excited. A month in, what's the same? What's different? How do you take all those changes? Because inevitably, there's going to be changes. And then how do you kind of just mold that in and continue down down the road. And I asked that because I remember when I was a principal, we would have these plans and then three months in, you'd look back and you're like, oh wait, we're not even yeah. doing that anymore or it looks different. And some of it is obviously beyond our control just because of things that are that are happening. But you know what? I mean, COVID's done and gone, right? For the right. most part, it's not, it's not affecting us. And I know obviously there's still things that are, um, that because of that, that we're still dealing with and everything else in schools, but not, not like it was two years ago. Um, right. So where are you now? You're a month in. What are you thinking about? How are you adjusting to uh, to kind of bring your school where they need to go for the next uh, 180 days? So I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit. After, right after COVID, we really focused a lot on SEL, social emotional learning, because we saw the gaps. And this is a reality for everybody, all leaders in, this, in, in our nation at this time. But I had told my team last year that I can't stay here. We have to shift back to instructional leadership. I have to shift back to leading our schools, our school um, to academic success. Um, so this year in particular, I'm going back to old school professional learning for teachers on just classroom instruction. The focus is on rigor, um, classroom management. You know, we can't blame everything on social emotional learning anymore. You know what I'm saying? We're going back to having good um, classroom management, a good classroom management plan. We're going back to, hey, what? how does um, a turn and talk look? How does good collaboration look like in your classroom? Or what does um, it look like to, to have a rigor, have rigorous instruction? So that's where we started the year out. And, you know, anytime, so this is change, you know, it's different from what we've been doing for the past three years. And in the back of my head, I'm preparing for the pushback. And I have to give my team, you know, the biggest kudos because we have not received any pushback. And the reason for that, Adam, is because we've differentiated the professional learning. I don't have my um, veteran teacher who does his or her job very well. I don't have them doing the basic level classroom management or the basic level rigor stuff. So everybody's getting what they need. And the teachers who are getting the basic level stuff, they are actually um, receptive and actually appreciative that they're getting those trainings. So everybody's getting what they need and everybody's feeling successful. We just had our first district walkthrough on Wednesday and we had a good report. They're seeing the changes in instruction. When we went into classroom, um, Technology is another one that's been a big push. You know, everybody started using one-to-one. -one. I shouldn't say using, but everybody is pushing one-to-one -one, um, since COVID because of, you know, virtual learning and all that. And when they went into the classroom, 
they're seeing kids going back to, I call it back to the basics, you know, the dry erase board, showing your answer, showing your work, um, or using paper pencil. Uh, yes, it sounds kind of weird, but it's, it's, we've gone so far away from that because of technology. And I had a fear that they're going to say, well, they're not using the technology in the classroom. And I gave a disclaimer. I said, the kids are asking for us to go back to paper and pencil. So that's some of the changes that we weren't expecting from kids to you know, voice their opinions about that part. Um, you know, no, and so we're seeing it mixed media in class, you know, some classes they offering, you can use paper and pencil, or you can do it virtually. So um, that's something that is happening this past four weeks that we didn't anticipate for us. Kids saying, nah, we want paper and pencil now. And then of course, teachers being receptive to professional learning and getting back to instruction the way it's supposed to be, the, the way it looked like before COVID happened. Yeah, no, interesting. No, I've been I've been saying for years, I, I love technology, but sometimes cardboard tempura paint and a glue stick is the answer, right. you know, if, right. if that's the right <laughs> thing to to help kids just get connected and get engaged uh, in the work. Uh, Susan, how do you approach a really hard decision? So, you know, some decisions you're like, they come to you, you're like, yeah, boom, do that. Yep, 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 yep. And then sometimes, obviously, it's a very demanding, complicated job being a, a middle school principal. You're like, okay, this is a hard decision. It's mm -hmm. complex, it's multifaceted, mm -hmm. there's emotions involved in it, right? It's not one of those kind of quick and dirty decisions. How do you, how do you approach something like that with trying to make a decision about, about that thing? Okay, so, I use so okay here's another advice I have for you know leaders or future leaders go ahead and get some business books how to run corporations how to run businesses because school is a business in terms of structure you know and I take a lot of those um, theories and I take a lot of my knowledge from those books so one of the things that I've been using to guide me when I'm making a difficult uh, decision is the iceberg theory. So at the top of the iceberg, they call it, those are the fires you see. Those are the obvious things that you see that um, will lead you to believe that something needs to happen, right? So for example, let's say fights are happening in the cafeteria. That's the, the things that you see on top of the iceberg. Right below that, below the surface, they're saying it, that patterns, you gotta identify the patterns that lead to the fights happening in the cafeteria. So for example, if you have, if you don't have a really good cafeteria schedule um, or if too many kids are in there at the same time, it's gonna lead to fights happening in the cafeteria. So that's the patterns you look for. Then you look at the structures, you know, the schedule, um, who's leaving and who's coming, where are they positioned in the cafeteria as they're transitioning in and out. And then you look at the teacher mindset. Do they believe that it's okay with them? Are teachers um, having PTSD over fights? You know, like what is the mindset behind us not um, having a safe cafeteria environment? So I look at all of those things before I decide um, how to address a problem because I want to make sure that I understand the structure. Because sometimes it really is not the mindset, it just could be a structure. You know, for example, with our cafeteria, we added 30 minutes to the schedule and the cafeteria is peaceful. Like we can go in the cafeteria right now and get work done because the kids, you know, it, it's five classes in there. Everybody has their own seat. It's quiet. Um, kids get to interact with each other in peace or not. You know, some people want to bring their laptops, do their work. And that's what we do. So 
it can't just be going haphazardly and saying um, kids are fighting in the cafeteria, so we must lock it down and kids must be quiet. No, you have, to, you have to look at the patterns, the structures, and the mindset behind why this particular thing is happening. Um, also, I look at, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Managing Complex Change. If, you know, it's a, it's a really good um, tool that I use when I'm thinking about what change to implement or how to implement a particular change. Um, so the, the, the matrix talks about having a clear vision, incentives, the teachers need to have the skills, there need to be resources, and you need to have a clear action plan in order for change to happen. And a lot of times we have missing pieces. Sometimes the vision isn't clear. Sometimes the teachers don't have the skills to execute the change that you're asking them to execute. And whenever teachers don't have the skills, they're going to have they're going to be anxious right when they don't have the resources they're going to get frustrated and therefore your the change that you want to implement will never come to fruition because things are not in place so managing complex change is another thing that i use like do do my teachers have the skills if they don't what do i need to do to get them um, prepared for this change and finally i always always consult with my team that's something that i learned from jimmy casas and i Every time I see my tell him, I say, thank you, Jimmy. Like, I still do it now. Um, but he, I remembered our first time meeting him. He came to our district to do a PL with us. And he said, how was your opening of school? And I said, um, we, we all in the room said uh, it was 7 out of 10, 6 out of 10. He said, but why wasn't it 10 out of 10? And we were like, we don't know. And he said, but did y'all consult with the teachers? Did y'all ask them what they wanted opening a school to look like? And we're like, no, you know, who consulted the teachers for opening a school pre-planning, you know? But ever since he said that, I'm like, well, it makes sense. If you're doing something, if you're going to make a change that's going to impact a particular group, why not involve that group in the decision making? So now as mm -hmm. the more I, you know, I get, not the more I develop myself <laughs> in becoming a leader, I'm like, you know what? I'm never leaving my team out of decision making ever again. So if I'm making a decision about celebrations for a particular test that students are taking, I find students, I pull them in and say, hey, what, what uh, celebrations do you think we should do? Um, I pull teachers in on decisions that have to do with the grade level, but I always try to pull in the, the right person. So if we're changing schedules, I pull in the grade level chairs. If it has to do with a content, I pull in the content chairs. And that has been the one of the key um, things that's been impacting how well we're able to push our school to the next level here is involving the right people have them at the table when you're making tough decisions and they and you're gonna your um your uh, the changes that you're trying to implement are going to be far more successful than if you leave them out of the process yeah you know something else that you did that the audience could not see is as i was asking susan that question i saw you writing down a few things it must have been on a little piece of paper or a post-it note. And I think that is so important. It's you wrote down the things that you wanted to think about to make sure, am I doing this? Am I doing that? Am I doing this? Did I do that? Did I do that? So you don't miss anything. And everybody right. listening, there is nothing wrong with having your own little matrix or your own mm -hmm. little idea or just a post-it note on your desk. This is how I make a really hard decision. So you build that habit and you don't forget, oh no, I didn't do that thing, which is a really big thing. And then your decision may turn out to not to not be the best. So um, I'm just exactly. gonna add that because you didn't talk about that, but I saw you do it, but I think it's a really, really important thing. It's okay to take a deep, take a breath, 
write down your process and then start checking off to make sure that you're kind of uh, hitting all those things. So you've talked about books and reading books. What is your favorite leadership book, Susan, that you've read in the education space? You've talked about business books, which I'm a huge business book fanatic. You, you dropped a couple, but if there was one that the audience should read, what is your favorite leadership book? My favorite leadership book would have to be, um, I'm sorry, it's so hard to pick one because they all help to create who I am. Um, but Leverage Leadership would have to be one of the key ones. I remember a state school improvement specialist putting that book in my hand. Um, I was working in a low performing school and you know when you're in a low performing school state the state representatives are always there and when I became principal of the elementary school she put leverage leadership in my hand and she said you must read this. And what leverage leadership did for me was to create a framework for what principalship should look like in terms of the right work, how do you um, affect student culture, how do you affect staff culture, how do you create an excuse-free environment where um, you are doing walkthroughs, frequent walkthroughs, and providing feedback, timely feedback to your teachers. And I think for me, that just kind of set the tone for what I should be doing. Um, if you look at, I think that's the only book I've ever read um, that can kind of guide you into what principalship should look like 101, principal 101. So that's the one that um, kind of kicked off my principal career. Leverage leadership. I'm going to uh, yes. drop the link in the, in the show notes so people can uh, check that out. Susan, if you could have one job for one mm -hmm. day, what would that job be and why? Hmm, one job for one day. Let me see. I would love to be a superintendent for one day of a small district, not a big one. Um, I think with it being in a small district, a superintendent, it's easier for them to be close to teachers. Um, not to say they don't have the same level of work to do as a large district superintendent, but um, I like I like the intimacy of the small district setting where a superintendent can pop up in a school, not for an I got you, but to just really be with kids and be with teachers and say, hey, you know, I see you. You know, I remember my first, my second year teaching, it was my first year in Monroe County School District in Georgia. And the superintendent was always in the school. You know, he will come and, hey, how you doing? And give you a slap on the back. But it felt good to have your superintendent in the school. Not He was never there for I got you. But it felt good that he did not forget us, you know? Um, so that's, that's what I would want to do for one day. Yeah. Hey, superintendents that are listening, get into classrooms and school as often as you can. I think the farther you get away from the classroom and the school, you need to be really, really cognizant and force yourself to spend more time um, than maybe you even think is necessary because you're just going to learn so much. You're going to see so much. You're going to ask questions. Your questions are going to be answered without you even having to like think about them because you're spending time in schools. Susan, you can choose one person alive or dead to spend mm -hmm. the day with who is not a family member, who would it be and why? So this is going to be maybe controversial, I'm not sure. But I would really like to go spend some time with George Bush. This guy has led through some, so I think the moments that have changed America forever. 9-11, we had the, um, the Katrina hurricane. And if anybody had to lead through a storm, I think, and no pun intended, but I think I would like to sit and talk to him because in those moments, you, how do you know you're making the right decision? 
how do you appease everybody? Even you know, everybody has a different um, um, viewpoint of what should happen and and all of that. And that's kind of what we deal with in principalship a lot. You know, you're trying to make the right decision, but how do you make sure that it's the right decision in the end? And then and then how you hold your head up high if you make the wrong decision. So I'd love to um, I'd love to spend some time with George Bush, the son, the son. Yeah, that's a that's the first time anybody has said George Bush, and I think he's an interesting person because, uh, you know, he went to Ivy League. He was a he was a fighter pilot in yeah. either the Navy or the Air National Guard for Texas. I can't remember. Um, obviously, you know, governor. Obviously, his dad was president. Um, yeah. I've listened to a lot of podcasts about from like Secret Service and from other people that were with him on 9/11, and I actually think he's very much. I think he's misunderstood. I think his mm -hmm. persona that he put put out to the public um, was a lot different than how he is, which I think is common because our media obviously spins yeah. things in, in, every, in every which way. He was the owner or like co-owner of the Texas Rangers. So you could talk baseball, mm -hmm. which would be cool. So right. um, yeah, I think that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, oh. Susan, um, a big part of this podcast is just amplifying the voices of my guests. So I'm just okay. gonna pass the mic microphone over to you. What would you like to say to all the people that listen to this podcast? Um, for those who are in education, keep your head up. I know that you guys have been working hard for the past three years. Um, don't get discouraged. The kids need us. Um, I'm seeing a change now in our kids. We're kind of getting back to normal. And if you're able, if you were able to last this long, just keep pushing, keep loving on them, keep, keep building relationships with them. They don't know how to do it. So you have to be that example for them. To all the principals who are leading schools, please do not forget that your teachers are, are humans. Um, don't forget your staff. They are humans. Um, treat them with respect. Um, treat them with kindness. Get to know them. That's the thing that has made a big difference for me and my staff is me taking the time to know them as humans. Yes, we talk about fishing. Yes, we talk about the latest boots that we have. I just got me some new... Um, <laughs> cowboy boots but the point is it's just those conversations beyond instruction that will make them ride or die for you so do not forget the humans who are there to help you run your building yeah yeah i, I love that uh, and we didn't even talk about your husband susan's married to a principal zachary harris who i'm going to reach out we got to have zachary um on the show as well husband, <laughs> yes. husband and wife dynamic duo they have a new yes. podcast the principal's principal podcast a couple episodes are out big things come in for them make sure you go to twitter or sorry x whatever we're calling it now dr susan with a z harris i'm going to link it in the show notes as Thank well you. middle school principal of the year for the state of georgia um, we had a couple times scheduled my travel got a little bonkers <laughs> thank you for being patient susan it's always best to wait to record the best episode that we're going to record i appreciate you coming on i appreciate all that you're doing everybody listening thank you for all that you do and i hope that you have an absolutely amazing day